fantastic. And here we are again. And welcome, everyone, to the Utility Strategy Podcast, uh, brought to you by, uh, you know, by people who want to let you know what's going on in the utility investigation engineering world and really help develop the understanding that as a community, we can get together and really come up with new solutions. I am very lucky that today I have a, a good friend of mine, actually, a gentleman, a gentleman who's also paved the way in the utility engineering industry. And uh, he's actually the, uh, the past president, the current past president of UESI, that's the Utility Engineering Survey Institute. It's my good friend, John Campbell. John, if you want to introduce yourself, please well, say hello. Well, hello there, Ophir, and thanks for having me on the Utility Strategy Podcast. I'm really excited to be able to share some of my past experience and, uh, you know, talk about the exciting future forward for utility engineering practice. That's fantastic. And, uh, John, you know what? You are sweet 17 in terms of the number of utility uh, utility strategy podcasts that we've done in uh, North America so far. We're not going to talk about the uh, previous Israeli version of this, but uh, of course, you know, it's, it's a matter of your number 17. And I'm, I'm really happy that we're gaining a lot of traction from this and people are, are you know, kind of taking interest in what we have to say, especially the fact that we're having such a, uh, a great following from the, uh, you know, from the grassroots industry and as well, construction, uh, even government has been looking at this. So it's really interesting to see all these people come together and really taking this information and taking it in. So as I, uh, as I stated in my introduction, John is a good friend, but John, if you want to introduce yourself and, you know, just give a little bit about what you have done over the years, you know, just a, a quick, uh, 10 second, or actually we'll give you a 40 second mini biography on John with, Campbell. With a Go 40 ahead. second version, I'm going to have to talk pretty quick because we're talking about 40 years. So that's about a second a year. Uh, but, you know, I basically was born into this practice as a utility engineer with absolutely no intention to become one until I turned around 35 years later and realized, hey, I, I'm a utility engineer. Um, you know, but I'm I'm educated as a civil engineer, graduated from Texas A&M University uh, with a, a specialization in construction management. And so my very first job out of school was in utility construction. Uh, I was a, a construction superintendent for the first few years of my professional uh, career. And, you know, really, while it was a short uh, engagement in my overall career, it still to this day remains uh, one of the most important features of my skills and abilities and experience as a utility engineer. Uh, after I was a construction engineer, I became a utility design engineer. Uh, so then I was actually putting the plans together and doing the as-built uh, reviews and inspections of municipal water wastewater projects that uh, I worked on uh, and that we designed over the next couple of years. And then after that, I was suddenly uh, uniquely qualified to be a utility coordinator for the Texas Department of Transportation. So I took a short-term engagement with the Texas Department of Transportation uh, to do utility coordination, but that, that quickly turned into a 27-year career with TxDOT, where I served not only as a utility coordinator in the Dallas district of TxDOT, uh, but I then became the statewide utility engineer for the department, and then ultimately I spent my last 17 years with TxDOT as the director of the right-of-way division, which 
had responsibility, sure enough, for the utility program and uh, practices. So that. So, John, I'm going to ask you a question. You, you say you were a civil servant. Um, you you were a civil servant uh, by surprise, we'll call it. That 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 small stint, you know, that original contract turned into a long-term career as a civil servant. Then that that is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, Ophir. It was it was without intention. In fact, uh, you know, I've planned every step of the way uh, on five-year plans. Uh, and, and it's important to have a plan so that you've got some foundation from which to adjust and overcome and adapt when plans don't go as intended. I think it was John Lennon that said that uh, life is what happens when we're making plans for doing other things. Well, that's exactly how my utility career resulted. I, I had different plans, but it, it all came back to, to doing every aspect pretty much of this utility business. Yeah, you just said something very interesting. You said over uh, adapt and overcome. And that's actually a very military Absolutely. term. Did you actually, I think, uh, I think you, you actually told me that you spent some time in the military. I did, well. but more importantly, I was born into a military family. Uh, so I'm a, I mentioned I was educated in civil engineering, but I'm actually a third generation civil engineer. Both my father and my grandfather uh, uh, served careers in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, both of them as civil engineers. So uh, I, I had sort of a natural tendency to head that way. And uh, although I did graduate from Texas A&M, I first went to the United States Air Force Academy for four years where I was studying mechanical engineering. Well, long story short, it didn't work out for me and it didn't work out for the U.S. Air Force. Uh, but I left there with a very clear understanding of the value of, of service and the value of, of having objectives that were well plotted out, organized, uh, deliberate plan of action. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of who I am as a utility engineer was informed uh, through my experience, both growing up in the military as an Army brat and then my own four years in the Air Force at the Academy. Um, I, I, of course, I always strayed a little bit from the path. Both my father and my grandfather were Army uh, civil engineers. I went to the Air Force Academy, uh, which was a slight departure. But uh, when I, when I uh, separated from the Air Force uh, and then continued my education at Texas A&M, I also switched my majors from mechanical engineering to civil engineering. So it was destined. Uh, destined to be that third generation CE. That's that's really interesting. So I, I'm going to ask you another question, and this is a funny one, actually. Have you spent your entire career in Texas, or have you uh, been around the uh, the United States, or have you just been in that one spot? Because you stated that you worked for uh, TxDOT 27 years already. Have you always been a, a Texan? I haven't always been a Texan. I'm a native Texan by coincidence because, as I mentioned, when my when my parents were traveling the U.S. and abroad in my father's military career, they were just passing through Texas. And, in fact, they were passing through Texas A&M where my father got a graduate degree in civil engineering. And that's where I was born. I'm, I'm one of five siblings, but like most military families, None of us were born in the same place. So it, it really was kind of destiny that 
uh, not only did I return to Texas to complete my education, but I hadn't left since. And so you're correct. Every, every one of my professional engagements has been here in Texas, a place I never thought I would visit, yet alone uh, spend the rest of my, my professional career in. So uh, from all those years of experience, let, let's really start focusing on your textile years. Uh, I just want to understand, you know, what, what, was the, what was your awareness of utilities, you know, of, of impact of utilities, and how did you actually evolve into that utility engineer and then eventually the head of right away? Like what brought you to that, uh, seeing the light of the utility path? Well, it was uh, by being knocked in the head with uh, the realities of the, the challenges of existing utility infrastructure. Uh, prior to me going to TxDOT, I had mentioned I was in utility construction uh, for a couple of years in the private sector. And that was the first awakening of the necessity for some standardization, some oversight, some uh, some better way of documenting utilities as they went in because I was there constructing uh, utilities and came to the realization right away that, you know, other than the fact that there might be an inspector on the edge of the ditch washing what I put in during the day, when there's not, there's virtually no record of where it actually went other than the way it was designed. Uh, the other thing that really educated me in that experience is that uh, utility plans uh, and construction are never the same thing. Uh, it's a very dynamic environment when you're in construction, and while your intentions are always to put them in accordance, in accordance with plans, the fact is when you're out there doing the work, uh, you, again, you see obstacles that weren't anticipated, you adapt, you overcome, you put the project in the ground. So from the very earliest stages of my career, I started to see this disconnect between an engineered uh, product and the actual reality of what goes in. Uh, as I continued in my career and became a utility coordinator with TxDOT, that's when I first saw uh, the benefit of a better way of doing things. And, you know, TxDOT, like the military, is a place where you're in practice to do the right thing in service to the people that you are, are, are dealing with. In my case uh, with uh, TxDOT, it's those citizens of Texas, and you're, you're looking to serve them as well as protect their interests, their interest in the investment in their utility infrastructure, uh, their interests in uh, just the safety of being able to realize and take for granted the uh, the constant delivery of utility services to their homes without worry for the fact that it's a very risky environment. Uh, it's very risky by its nature because it's unknown. Uh, you bury these utility facilities at the end of the day when they're constructed and there's virtually uh, no further understanding of with any amount of certainty as where things are. Uh, so uh, over five years of working as a utility coordinator, I really came uh, to terms with the, the need to have a better sense of where things were so that as we developed our uh, highway infrastructure projects, we knew they were going to be impacted by the utilities that were there. And we also knew the great challenges of trying to get a better sense of where they were, uh, not only where they were, but who was out there. Uh, which utilities actually had infrastructure in place. So when I, when I yeah, John, I, I'm going to ask you a question. How did you 
you seem to have a passion for utilities. Has that always been the case, or is it is it from the from that day to day of doing the utility coordination that you actually gain this passion for utilities? Because when I hear you talk about it, you know, you, your face almost lights up as if you're talking about something that you love and that you've you've it's been a part of your life for the last. Uh, I don't know, quarter century? Absolutely. It, it is something that, uh, you know, sometimes when you're a logical mind that takes one step based upon where the last step was from, uh, you don't recognize passion until you're looking in the rearview mirror and, 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 and coming to the realization that, yes, I do have a, a great deal of passion for this area of practice. And it's because of the uncertainty. It's because of the unknown. It's because of the fact that it's a, a challenge every project, every day. Uh, there's you, you can't get into a rut of expecting uh, what you know is going to be expected because it is all so uncertain. Uh, but casting the light of less uncertainty, of, of more knowledge, of more documentation of where things are, that continues to be the objective. That continues to be... Uh, you know, what keeps me excited about being in this business. And thankfully now at a point in my career that I never really thought I would see uh, coming to, into uh, focus, that we are actually at a place where we can start to get some significant steps forward in uh, not just organizing this subsurface environment, but much better documentation of the environment, standards that we're able to put in practice now so that uh, everyone that comes along in the future has a, 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 common, uh, a common playbook or a common guidance by which to do the work that they do. So yes, it's it's like I said, I didn't know I was a utility engineer until I looked back on my career and realized I was a utility engineer. And to be honest with you, Ophir, I didn't expect after I retired from TxDOT that I was going to take another full-time job. And I thought that I'd, I, I thought I'd really set the standards way too high for anyone to consider hiring me permanently. But you know, I, I put three criteria in place for myself just so that, as usual, I would have a plan, a plan from which to uh, jump off if uh, things that I encountered as unanticipated as, as working for T2 utility engineers today. Uh, and, and I was looking, I wasn't looking to be hired. I wasn't looking for a job when they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. But there were three things that I told myself that I had to, I had to have. I, I had to do the thing that I knew that I had become passionate about this arena, this uh, utility investigation and utility documentation arena. Uh, they had to be a known by me and respected set of individuals and firm that I knew was committed to doing the right thing the right way for the right reasons. And they had to be willing to support my continued volunteer efforts in the uh, helping to blaze the trail of utility engineering with uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers and the newly evolving uh, Utility Engineering and Survey Institute. Uh, and much to my surprise, uh, they, they said, yes, yes, and yes, we, we want to be that firm. We want you to be there to help lead our effort in Texas. And uh, before I knew what was going on, I was, I was suddenly employed again full time and now going on three years and uh, they, they've made good by their 
promises and that I, as you'd mentioned at the outset, I just finished serving my year as the president of the Utility Engineering and Survey Institute last year. I, I currently serve as the immediate past president, and that's also my final year as a voting member on the board of the Utility Engineering and Survey Institute. So uh, it, well, I've been here to see some really exciting things happen. Exciting to me, again, uh, to me and those of us that do have a passion for this in the in the evolution of uh, the ASCE 38 standard uh, for subsurface utility engineering. We're going to be publishing here this summer uh, the long-awaited update, ASCE 3822, which will further clarify those standards, provide a lot more guidance to practitioners. Uh, help emphasize what that professional standard of care means for a properly performed utility investigation. And then that's going to be followed very, very quickly by a brand new uh, UESI um, uh, ASCE standard 75-22, which we refer the short title as the as installed standard, but it will now establish the uh, uh, the criteria for documenting utilities as they're installed. So these very things that I recognized early in my career as needs uh, and then saw emphasized through my experiences throughout the career are actually coming into practice. And I'm, I'm pleased to have been able to be right there on the front lines fighting, uh, fighting for these things to happen. I, I ramble on a bit, but uh, so John, I'm going to regress. Uh, I'm going to regress a bit in terms of what we were talking about. But you went from being the utility coordinator to the, I believe you said the chief engineer, the head of right away for all of Texas. Correct. Uh, and that was and what did that entail? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, my first engagement with TxDOT, my planned five-year plan with TxDOT was to do utility coordination in the Dallas district. Uh, I confronted a huge project that uh, TxDOT was building in Dallas. It was the expansion of US 75. Uh, and this was a project where I looked at it and said, my gosh, I, I want to be the utility coordinator on that project. And as I, as I took a step forward to volunteer, I looked around me and saw the other five uh, young EITs had all taken a step backwards. I guess uh, I guess I was kind of <laughs> unique in my passion at that early time for it, but I saw it as, you know, this is the absolute uh, uh, opportunity to either uh, promote and, and progress this practice forward. Uh, and this was in 1987. So this was even before wow. we had a, a Sioux standard in place. And, and what we did there uniquely is, you know, I was coming out of the private sector with the recognition that, you know, utilities don't want to be your problem. Uh, utilities just want to be a respected partner in the discussion of developing infrastructure. And they, they certainly would answer my phone calls and they certainly would provide the information they had available. But it was a simple matter of I just needed to invite them into the conversation, show the respect that they were due for the fact that, hey, they were in the same business of public service that we were building highways, they were out there providing you know, essential commodities to citizens, the same citizens that we served. Uh, and so it was probably my prior experience that made me recognize this is an opportunity to progress things rather than a daunting, overwhelming challenge. It was the success of that project. We, we managed to 
relocate all of the utilities on this heavily, heavily trafficked existing uh, U.S. highway into the middle of downtown Dallas. We didn't have... I, I've sat on it many times, by the way. Yes. Now, it, <laughs> it, it flows nice. You know what? Uh, traffic is really safe when it only moves at about three miles an hour. So, you know, you, you don't yeah. tend to have fatal accidents at three miles an hour. So, yeah, they got that going for them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the fact was, is the success of that project is what uh, uh, made me um, noticed by the TxDOT uh, administration in Austin. And so I, uh, about the end of my five-year plan with TxDOT, I had the opportunity to apply for and then, of course, got the job as statewide utility engineer, where then it became my true uh, challenge to try to make some sense out of uh, the utilities that occupied our public right-of-way. The, the uh, utility engineer was a uh, staff position in the right-of-way division of TxDOT. And my role then was to try to manage these utility assets that occupied our 1.2 million acres of property uh, underlying the uh, Texas highway system. And so that was when I first met a lot of the names that have come to be known uh, notorious and, and famously uh, throughout the utility engineering uh, professional world. That's when I met uh, Jim Onspach, who was uh, at that time working as a utility investigations uh, innovator, really. He was the, one of the first to bring uh, geophysical equipment into the business of investigating uh, for existing utilities on projects. I met Jim when he was traveling with Paul Scott, who was at that time uh, yeah, the Federal Highway Administrator's uh, uh, nationwide utility coordinator. So I met both of them at the time that I was looking for a solution to map those utilities on TxDOT right away when they were out there selling this new practice called SUE or subsurface utility engineering. And so it was in that job that I was able to put the first uh, contracts in place for subsurface utility engineering investigations at TxDOT. And we then, you know, kept up and maintained uh, what has been and to this day is a lifelong uh, affiliation with one another as we've as we've all worked to advance this uh, practice of, of utility engineering. So, yeah, it's a it's a very it was a, a very formative uh, role that I played. Uh, I did that for just five years and uh, that that marked the end of my second five-year plan with TxDOT. I thought, okay, well, 10 years is a good run. We'll go ahead and get back out there into the into the fight again. And uh, I don't think anyone really knows how it happened to this day, but somehow or another, uh, I found myself in the position of the right-of-way director uh, for TxDOT, which, of course, was a promotion up and included responsibility for the statewide utility budget and program and policies. Uh, so. Uh, even though the title was right-of-way director, uh, it continued to keep me front and center on the issues associated with uh, putting a, a world-class utility program in place, which I feel confident that we established uh, at TxDOT during my time there and uh, am proud to see uh, so much of what I started to build has been carried on and improved. And, you know, TxDOT to this day uh, exists as one of the leaders uh, in the utility realm uh, across the country. So, 
very, very formative no, time I, for me. I know that I'm speaking to the utility converted because you are Mr. Utilities for Texas, as, as we're now learning. But can you give me three different things which have happened in your in your TechSot days that really uh, provided you the uh, the forming and foundation of where you are today? Those three key items which happened to you within that those first years in your career that really pushed you to uh, to be who you are today? Well, I would say certainly the first of those things happened when I was a utility coordinator in the Dallas district. Uh, and that was a very, uh, you know, stepping up and partnering with the engineering firm and the city of Dallas is how we accomplished uh, the success we had on that project. Uh, as I said at the time, uh, the organized process of investigating a project that is uh, espoused under ASCE 38 didn't exist yet, or it certainly didn't exist to my knowledge. Uh, but we took a very practical approach that was informed by uh, our collective experience. We There were really three partners to that project. Uh, it was the city of Dallas who was looking to get a master plan for the utilities before and after uh, the uh, the development of the uh, US 75 highway. Uh, they had hired a engineer for the city's engineer and that was uh, Haffin Associates at the time. And uh, Haffin Associates then partnered with TxDOT and myself to do just that, to try to identify where the existing utilities were such that we could inventory them and plan a spot for them to go after the construction or in the uh, uh, in the construction phase of the project and so it was just through deliberate continuous you know top to a field level engagement uh, that made that project successful and that would certainly be the first most influential uh, factor that resulted in my uh, in my ability to uh, see this career uh, that I've enjoyed forward. The, the second most impactful uh, event was, uh, as, I, as I mentioned briefly just a minute ago, was uh, being in a position to solve the problem uh, associated with uh, inventorying or mapping uh, the utilities that underlie the, uh, the state highway system when I took the job as uh, as the uh, statewide utility engineer, but the means, the mechanism that I discovered that was available to us uh, was the annual research program uh, that all DOTs had available, but yet not all DOTs uh, either regularly spent that research money allocation from the Federal Highway Administration or even knew that they had access to it. Uh, it was during this time that I became involved with ASHTO, the American Association of State Highway Transportation Officials, and specifically with their utility committee. At the time, it was called the ASHTO Utility Subcommittee because it was a subcommittee of the Standing Committee on Highways. Um, so I got involved there where I found suddenly a bunch of like-minded uh, individuals at DOTs across the country that were that were confronting this utility dilemma and finding a way to uh, collectively start looking for solutions. I began to write problem statements for research initiatives and we initiated the first for TxDOT 
Uh, and the first for a lot of the DOTs across the country, we initiated some of the first utility research initiatives. Uh, they've turned out to be highly successful uh, research items, which then in turn, uh, you know, created other research initiatives, including the, the, the strategic highway uh, program initiatives, SHARP 1 and SHARP 2. Uh, that were a form were, that were informed by and also uh, were shown uh, a need for uh, those programs based on some of the uh, pioneering research we did at TxDOT in the uh, well, in the 90s. Uh, so it uh, that was really uh, a second uh, really important effort uh, was the recognition that hey there are resources out there to solve this problem. Uh, that was largely due to uh, getting to know Paul Scott. Uh, Paul Scott at the Federal Highway Administration, he yeah. and I worked together for years. He was, back in that day, he was the chairman of the utility committee of the uh, Transportation Research Board. And he put me on that utility committee originally so that we could continue this conversation in a, in a national arena. Uh, so, you know, so many of the uh, formative issues had to do with the people that I met that were engaged in a common pursuit uh, to try to solve this mystery, or at the very least, to try to minimize the level of uncertainty associated with uh, the challenge of mixing utility infrastructure with uh, uh, big infrastructure improvement projects. Uh, so it, it, it it became that day in, day out challenge of, of trying exactly to solve that problem. Uh, that problem being to uh, minimize the risk associated in a very, very risky environment. You know, when I was at the, the DOT, we used to actually have signs uh, that uh, when you've left the campus, uh, warning the employees that be cautious, you're about to enter the most uh, dangerous environment known in the United States, and that's getting on the highway system where, you know, we continue to have regular fatalities every day. But uh, the point that I was making is that that environment is extremely risky for existing utilities because every effort for us to either expand the services uh, of delivery of utilities to uh, to citizens or to expand the infrastructure, the transportation infrastructure is going to have an impact on those existing utilities. And the risk is not just to uh, the, the crews that are out there constructing the utilities and the possibility of running into something that could put their very lives in danger, but also the risk of those interruptions to the continuous delivery of utility products that are essential to all citizens. So everything that's involved with the business of building infrastructure in an environment that's already occupied with utilities is high risk. Uh, and that, that really was the, the most defining point of that particular engagement as the statewide utility engineer is to come to terms with, okay, here is the purpose for my passion. Uh, this is the reason that I do what I do because I feel a responsibility in both service to the citizens of Texas as well as to protect uh, their investment in the infrastructure, to protect their, their safety uh, and to protect the reliability of utility services, you know, not being interrupted because of unanticipated strikes. So, so that's, Joanna, I'm going to summarize one thing. You're saying 
construction through the three C's, construction through cooperation and uh, cooperation and collaboration. The three C's. <laughs> cooperation. Maybe it's also the three C's between coordination. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, you know, and I, I don't know if you were, uh, were were fed that particular line, but uh, that's actually the three C's of utility uh, of utilities. I, I coined that phrase. And uh, in the first presentation that I gave to an AASHTO subcommittee uh, uh, group at one of their annual meetings and Paul Scott uh, came up afterwards and said, you know, I really liked those three C's. Do you mind if I use that? And I said, absolutely. You know, Take it forward and let's and let's get the world to understand the the relative simple uh, message of making these things work successfully is just to cooperate, to coordinate, and to communicate uh, with your utility counterparts. And so, uh, yeah. You, you know what? It's really funny. I I think we think alike then because <laughs> I may have heard that once. I I think actually you're you might be right. It might have been Paul Scott mm -hmm. uh, way back when when uh, we were having a utility coordination. I, I remember I used to join in on his Wednesday sessions. He used to have Wednesday uh, information sessions uh, back in his uh, when he was a T2 as well. And when I was a T2, when I I I would really enjoy his Wednesday information tidbits, and you know, that that was one thing I looked forward to every week. <laughs> yeah, that was so, one of the benefits of coming to work for yeah. T2 is that I at least once a week got to hear the uh, the calming, reassuring, pleasant voice of Paul Scott as he. As he told all of those, all of those of us that were in this practice, a, a little bit of the experience of us getting to where we were. So I, I still try to keep in touch with Paul. He's he's fully retired now, yeah. uh, but he still maintains a, a, that passionate interest in in our success and the evolution of uh, UESI. That's fantastic. So we've gone through your 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 textile career. Now let, let's transition a little bit. You also did a lot of public public advocacy for the actual utility engineering world. How did you get involved in the ASC or UESI? And you know, as the past president, you know, it just highlights uh, if you get involved and you really care, you can actually make a difference. So let's hear about the difference that you believe that you've uh, that has come out of UESI. Well, you know, I I was really enthusiastic about UESI and it getting set up and ready to go forward. In fact, the, the timing at which UESI was coming into reality was exactly with the timing of my uh, retirement from TxDOT. And I fully intended to uh, remain active in the associations that I had become uh, involved with. Uh, the problem with AASHTO uh, as an association is that once you're not an active employee of a DOT, you're no longer an, an AASHTO member, which, you know, I always saw as a, as a, as a potential flaw in that organizational structure, because you kind of lose uh, connection uh, with that, with that group of highly experienced people, just as soon as they quit serving in a DOT. Um, but uh, I was planning on spending my retirement and I did, successfully retire for three years from 2016 to 2019 uh, from TxDOT. And during that time, uh, I, it was when UESI was in its formative stages. And again, uh, by being in constant communication with Jim Onspot, who was leading the, uh, leading the charge within ASCE, the American Society of Civil Engineers, 
what we were doing at the time was trying to get ASCE to uh, to uh, to define utility engineering, uh, and really with the uh, with the perspective of we wanted utility engineering to be a recognized uh, subdivision of civil engineering, you know, a part of the professional practice that was specific to utility engineering. Long story short, uh, in that constant conversation that Jim was, you know, very, very much unilaterally leading within the ASCE bureaucracy, uh, the wisdom that came out of those discussions was that not only will we uh, uh, propose this definition of utility engineering, but we're going to go one step better and we see fit to create a new institute, uh, the ninth of uh, ASCE's technical institutes. And that's what became the Utility Engineering and Survey Institute, which was uh, put under double secret probation in about 2015 when this definition of utility engineering uh, was first put out. Um, and then two years later, uh, we we passed the uh, the test and we ended up with uh, UESI being formed in 2017. So I, I spent a lot of my retired time, those three years, just volunteering uh, time and effort uh, to that business of it started out as us just wanting to get a definition of utility engineering established and written the way that it is written today, where it was not only the business of designing and developing and building uh, utility infrastructure, but also uh, the interaction of those utility systems with each other and with other civil infrastructure, because that was really that arena of practice that required so much professional judgment and professional experience in order to really speak to it as a professional practice. Uh, so I, I had already become uh, pretty well known in uh, the established circles of utilities through the AASHTO, what has now is now known as CRUO, the Committee on Right-of-Way uh, uh, Utilities and Outdoor Advertising. Uh, I had become that, well known. Like to, sorry, that, that combination, outdoor advertising and utilities, I'm, trying, I'm still trying to get around that, what the connection is, but <laughs> I guess maybe that's well, only me. No, no, I can give you a little hint on that. It was one of those hotly debated issues of, uh, you know, outdoor advertising is a non-department owned asset, which typically uh, is associated with the right-of-way. And so outdoor advertising is one of those, you know, in accordance with federal laws associated with the control of outdoor advertising, uh, those laws are all managed and administered in the right-of-way divisions or the right-of-way sections of the various DOTs. So they were looking for a home such that uh, AASHTO could combine two parallel efforts uh, basically associated with the same thing, the, the management of outdoor advertising control and this, uh, this committee that already existed and had a long history, the, the right-of-way and utilities committee. So it got... It got glommed on just about the time that I was retiring. I think the year before I retired was when we accepted uh, outdoor advertising into that into that same uh, 
committee, but it was because uh, similar staffers at the DOTs were performing the same functions associated with the control of outdoor advertising as were involved in right-of-way property management and uh, utility infrastructure management. So it was, it was kind of a natural fit. They, they'll continue to be their own bizarre entities because uh, all of their assets actually do not occupy the state right-of-way. They're outside of the right-of-way by by uh, uh, conditions of the laws uh, associated with outdoor advertising. But anyway, I, I digress. I forget what your original question was. Uh, my original question was about UESI and, uh, and your, your passion for advocacy. We were just talking about uh, your, your post-textile years of retirement but still being really involved. And you were just getting to the part where I believe you were going to become president. Well, that was that was what was happening as uh, as I proceeded with uh, just volunteer effort. Uh, the ASCE folks, because I had come to know so many of them over the years, uh, were familiar with me, and so they didn't hesitate to jump on my availability and willingness to participate uh, once I retired. Uh, so I started. Uh, traveling to all of the same venues as I had before, but this time at, under uh, ASCE's wing and out there promoting uh, the advancement of UESI with the DOTs, with uh, uh, municipalities and, and other states. So uh, it was through that business of being involved uh, as UESI was set up, uh, I, was, I was named to uh, I was actually appointed in those days before we had regular membership elections, but I was appointed to head up the utility risk management division of UESI uh, by Jim Onspach when he was the president of UESI. And so I served, uh, I served as that chairman for a couple of years, which then qualified me for consideration uh, to be elected uh, UESI president-elect. Uh, the uh, and that occurred about the time that I met you was uh, the year that I was running for a, a UESI president-elect and as we now know I was successful in that campaign and so I, I got to extend my time on the uh, UESI board oh I guess I skipped a step there between uh, serving yeah. as the UESI chairman I was appointed to the UESI board by Jim Onspock to serve a three-year term uh, on the board. Uh, when I was in my final year on the board was when I ran for president-elect, in, in effect giving me three more years to serve on the board, uh, which this year will be at an end. Uh, three more years as an officer where you serve as a, an officer as the president-elect, then as the sitting president, and then as the immediate past president. So. I'm in my swan song year of six years of service on the uh, UESI board and uh, got there because of the fact that when I was available, still passionate about the business and, uh, and retired, uh, that's when ASCE saw fit. John Segna was the, the first director of the Utility Engineering and Survey Institute and, and he quickly uh, saw me as a, a, a likely member volunteer for a whole lot of the uh, volunteer of the or voluntold <laughs> volunteer. That's it was always with my own, you know, enthusiastic willingness. So uh, he he might he might on occasion tell me that I wanted to be a volunteer, but I I always 
chose to be that volunteer. So it it is what it became to be. And as I mentioned early on, when I uh, I, I did not consider uh, taking full-time employment. I thought that retirement was going to stick after I left TxDOT, but uh, uh, then T2 Utility Engineers made me that offer that I couldn't receive where they, they met all of my requirements. And uh, the most important one was that they were willing to support all this time, all this effort that I had put into uh, ASCE and the Utility Engineering and Survey Institute. And uh, they were more than eager to step up and fill that role because, as it turns out, my other criteria is that they shared the same uh, passion for this business and, more importantly, passion for doing this the right way for the right reasons uh, and in uh, service first. And, you know, uh, we, we always, as a private sector entity, are out to make a reasonable profit, but uh, reasonable is the key word there. Uh, we want to do what we do first and foremost because it's the right thing to do when you do it the right way and in accordance with these professional standards of care that ASCE uh, has established for us through the uh, through the standards that we're about to publish. You know, John, I'm going to ask you a very interesting question. Throughout your entire career, you you've actually been through the uh, the dawn of the new digital age. You went from the the drafting boards to the computer automated drafting systems, you know, to the, uh, uh, the, the four pound laptop, which, uh, which had, uh, I think a hundred megabytes all the way to today, where we're, you know, we're dealing with the uh, gigabytes and, uh, and millibytes and so on and so forth. Uh, throughout this whole digital transformation, we'll call it the digital golden age. Has there been anything that you have, uh, have seen, which has worried you or anything, which, Anything which you've really been enamored with, and and one one really uh, key thing which I'm going to bring up, and uh, I, I also uh, sat with you on a, a few committees and a few other things, and one of the things which really interested me was you were the first U virtual UESI president due to COVID-19. You know, we did not have any in-person meetings, I believe, during your tenure. Well, I, I think that was. You know, if there's anything good or positive that came out of our sequestration for a couple of years there, it was to force this fact of the need to engage electronically on all of us. It became a necessity of continuing business, but I think it's been a, a hugely positively impactful uh, consequence uh, in that, you know, people of my uh, generation, of my age, they were still able to claim that they didn't use computers or that they didn't uh, participate in video teleconferencing, but it became impossible to play that card and it forced all of us to, to get there faster and to improve the, the quality of the communications in the virtual realm. So uh, I think that that was, that was probably the most significant uh, advancement that brought all of us along, regardless of uh, generation or age or uh, affiliation or, or adaptability to information technology. Uh, one of the things that I see as the largest concern, and, and I think this became apparent to a lot of us that were in the pursuit of managing utility infrastructure, is proliferation of data. Uh, you know, at first, our, our effort was 
we need to get the data. Well, more precisely, we needed to develop useful information, you know, to take that data and be able to uh, process it into information that was going to be valuable to us in terms of managing those assets. And as, as the capabilities have grown, uh, that becomes the largest challenge going forward is the uh, uh, managing that that just huge amounts of data, both the hardware necessary to do it, uh, the technology of where and how you store it, uh, and most importantly, the ability to turn that data into usable information uh, that will help the bottom line objective, and that's that's to effectively uh, manage. Uh, the infrastructure such that we have a better, a more confident idea of where utility infrastructure is located. Trust me, I'm living that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, along with being that virtual president, you know, and, and taking, a, I really like the way you, you put a proliferation of data and taking all that information and making it usable. That's really, really amazing. So now, you know, you're in your, you're in your private sector life of T2 Utility Engineers. You're the uh, president of uh, UESI. Uh, tell me what what that big difference was or that, that shock that, that you received going from the public to the private or even that revelation of uh, what, what things did you find out about the utility world that it changed from your initial construction days to consulting days with that little uh, time period in between as being a... Uh, a civil servant or a textile employee? Well, the first thing that strikes me is the qualifications of the bottom line worker, the, the workers that are there on the job in the field. Uh, they have highly sophisticated skills that we didn't even imagine back in my days in construction. Uh, they're they, they step into an arena that is largely thought just to be labor, blue collar labor, yet they come into it with a great set of skills, both in automated technology, uh, computer aided drafting and design. Uh, and they have to in order to be able to perform their work. Uh, we, we utilize uh, electronic applications in order to capture data and document data when we're out there doing an investigation. So I would say the, the largest difference I saw, which you remember, I've both started and ended my career in the construction realm. So I've pretty much come full circle. Uh, the challenges, uh, the dangers, the risks are still the same. But the tools that we have available to us now to be able to perform our investigations in a much safer way, uh, as well as to be able to document the information that we we find uh, during our investigations, uh, that's a that's a dramatic difference. So I, I would say the the greatest thing I've seen is the skills and the sophistications that we expect of our very uh, field level level workers and then all the way up the line from there i mean uh, people in all stages of the management are utilizing uh, technology and utilizing capabilities that we quite frankly couldn't hardly imagine uh, when i was first starting out uh, so that's that's been the greatest revelation to me um, I, I really do appreciate because of the fact that I, I mentioned early on that the most valuable experience that I had in my engineering career was that experience installing 
utilities because it really informed a lot of my professional judgment associated with now today signing and sealing utility investigation plans. Uh, because I know that uh, that what I have learned from the experience of installing utilities and designing utilities, uh, it serves me very well in trying to assign a quality level to the information uh, that we're putting on our utility investigation plans. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really experience that I didn't have that I'm getting today in this whole new uh, phase of my career. It's very, very fulfilling because I'm actually out there uh, performing the investigations that I uh, spent the previous parts of my career saying, you know what we need to do, we need to be able to do it this way and capture information like this so that we have a better idea uh, of where uh, utilities are. Uh, I, I actually put a research project together when I was with TxDOT and my challenge that uh, that I wrote up in the problem statement was, you know, I'm sitting here on top of just all manner of utility records. I've got some some utility records that are as good as a uh, full investigation, completely with uh, complete with exposing utilities. You know, I have a full set of Sioux plans, but then I've also got permits that were literally written on the back of an envelope. All of that information is valuable to me if my desire is to have a better idea of who's there and what they're out there with. So it wasn't, well, you can throw away the bad quality stuff and you can keep the good quality stuff. It's like, no, I need a way to manage all of the information and be able to qualify that information so that I have more or less uh, certainty uh, with with regard to the utility location. So uh, I. I know that that is one of the real revelations of working on this end uh, of my career and in, at, on this end, uh, this, you know, front lines of utility investigations. Uh, but it's, uh, again, it's, it continues to be the mystery that keeps on giving, you know, the challenge that's new every day. The, uh, uh, the only thing I didn't anticipate is that, you know what, uh, you have a lot more energy for this pace of play when you're 25 versus uh, when you're 60 or so. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. I'm, I look forward to uh, many more years as, as long as I can stay engaged in this. And as long as I can help uh, mentor and, and, you know, that's that same uh, passion, that same enthusiasm in the people that I'm responsible for today. Uh, I figure it's a good day if I see that light of curiosity come on when they confront a project. It's not just about the production we get that day, but, you know, solving the riddle, solving the mystery. Wow. Now that's, that's actually very deep. And that's something I, I love to hear. Uh, any, any words or any thoughts on the future of what you see coming up next in your, in your utility investigation career? And, of course, it will be a second retirement one day and uh, just in terms of what you see next and what's going to happen with the technology. Well, you know, the, the technological advancement, that that's one of the reasons that's one of the, the prime objectives of forming the utility engineering and survey Institute is that we want to be at the front edge of those conversations of the evolution of technology. Uh, you know, unmanned aerial uh, craft to, to be able to inventory uh, utilities, to be able to capture advanced uh, records, 
to be able to source from records that we weren't able to source from in the past. That's the direction that we're heading is looking for uh, more information. And when I say more information, again, it's with that caveat of uh, we've got to be able to address the proliferation of data uh, for the preference of getting more information, more valuable information to inform uh, our decisions about uh, uh, joining utility infrastructure with uh, infrastructure improvement projects. So I, I, that's where I see it going. I, I see us uh, continually looking to uh, get better quality information and, uh, and, and organize this proliferation of data that we've been gathering. Uh, you know, we've been gathering uh, data quicker than the, uh, uh, or, or uh, the, uh, the technology has been advancing quicker than we've been gathering the data and we've been gathering just vast volumes of data. So bringing those two features together is really going to be uh, the key going forward. Uh, risk management is one of the features of uh, utility uh, investigations, that risk management objective, but asset management is going to become just as important uh, in us uh, putting out consistent ways to make good usable information out of the data that we're, we're gathering. Wow. I think that's what I think is happening next. That's absolutely amazing. So. Uh, we've, we're just about out of time, but you know, this, this hour, which I spent with you, John, and I, I can truly say that every time I sit down and speak to you, I really enjoy our conversations, you know, off camera, on camera, uh, over a beer, over a taco and whatever else we've done together over the years. It's always been, uh, for me, a fulfilling experience to talk and to just really listen to what you have to say. And I've, I've really enjoyed my hour with you, and I hope everyone else enjoys and, and gets to take away those little tidbits and those little pieces of information, those, those keywords, which will really uh, be formative in terms of their careers. So with that, you know, we're up at our, uh, we're just, at, just about done our hour. I'm going to ask you for the one thing which you can tell a, EIT or a young engineer, someone getting in the business, what does he have to do? That one thing. I think uh, make sure that you're doing something that truly interests you. And, you know, a lot of time coming out of school, you don't know what you want to do. I certainly didn't. Uh, but the one thing I did know is that I wanted to go into construction. Uh, I wanted to get my hands dirty and I wanted to be out there working with the big yellow machines. And so that, that would be what I would offer as, as guidance. Uh, when you're early in your career, that's the time that you can afford to travel, that you can afford to, uh, uh, you know, be out there on the job. Uh, I would take advantage of, of, of the opportunity to get involved, uh, at the construction level first, uh, I, I'd make that recommendation to all aspiring uh, young engineering professionals uh, and really just any practitioner that wants to be in this type of business, I'd say uh, the best, the best, most informative experience that you can possibly have is, is out there in the field on the project. Uh, whether you're surveying or whether you're actually uh, doing the geophysical investigations, 
whether you're a, a young engineer or aspiring engineer that's going to be mapping plans, uh, the best the best place to inform that knowledge is uh, out there in construction. And the last thing I'm going to ask you, who do you think I should I should invite next to sit down with me for the utility uh, the utility strategy podcast? Well, you've talked with Jim Onspock yeah. on a couple of occasions, so I know you've got that covered. <laughs> uh, have you talked with our Canadian counterpart, uh, Lawrence Arcan? Uh, you know what? He is on my list, and uh, because you said that, I will make sure to push it up a little bit. And uh, well, he's yeah. always uh, he's always good for an entertaining uh, tidbit or two, and of course, he's he's largely responsible for me coming back out of this uh, realm of retirement. So. Uh, he'd be the guy that I would uh, throw under that bus next. And, and Lawrence continues to serve on the UESI Board of Governors. Uh, I know he shares a, a similar philosophy and similar uh, values associated with uh, this, this realm of our practice. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and throw, throw uh, Lawrence under the uh, Ophir bus. <laughs> you know, I don't know why you call it the Ophir bus. It's the uh, Forum Utility Strategy Podcast bus, but that's okay. So with that, that's right. Thank you very much. I do appreciate your time. I really, I, I, I am going to be seeing you in Indianapolis in uh, the end of July for the pipeline conference. And uh, actually, I believe, absolutely. Yeah. And I know you're uh, you're actually teaching one of the sessions which I've been putting together for the uh, the short course. So I look forward to that. And everyone else, if anyone has any questions, uh, you can uh, put a uh, comment uh, comment down. And we will get back to you. And if you would like John Campbell's information, feel free to reach out and I will gladly give it to you. So thank you very much, everyone. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking to the next couple of people for the Utility Strategy Podcast. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Ophir.